Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. I mean, as always, is Parker. My name is Chris. Uh, this is a special Valentine's Day episode, and, you know, emotions tend to run high on this podcast, so we picked a movie that, even if you don't love it, people tend to have very strong opinions about it. It's called Die Another Day. You know, it's got a reputation, and as someone who's not a Bond fan... I'm watching, I'm like, I mean, this isn't great, but it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And it just keeps going. You're like, huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Madonna's the fencing instructor. That's something. Yeah. That's, that's truly that's one of the worst weird. songs I've ever heard, but like, it's weird, but like, whatever. <laughs> and then it keeps going. And you're like, oh, what's visible car's not going to come back. Yeah. And it keeps going. You're like, fuck, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <This> shit sucks. <laughs> like, the first, like, 20 minutes, I didn't even have any notes. I was just like, wow, is this, is this just a good movie? What are, what are, what are people complaining about? And then, well, it keeps going, and <laughs> the wheel starts you take, to come like, off. One, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life." But it's like such a small moment; it's not gonna, like it'll come back. Oh, <laughs> well, Halle Berry and Pierce Brosnan are both attractive. I'm sure they'll have great chemistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know how bad well, it has to be for me to watch someone hit on someone and go, "Oh, bro, what?" what yeah. <laughs> my friends call me Jinx. My friends call me James Bond. Oh, fucking smooth, dude. <laughs> My friends also call me by my full legal name. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> do we have any news before we get into all that? There's one piece of news that's very important to me in the world right now. Please and that don't. is, of course, the uh, Canadian truckers being trolled constantly by people blaring <laughs> Ram Ranch over their videos. <laughs> Dude, I really want Jake Tapper to report on this on CNN. <laughs> The seeing it broken down of these people singing Oh Canada and someone blaring 18 naked cowboys <laughs> in the showers at Ram Ranch. Can you imagine Big fucking... Hard throbbing cocks wanting to be sucked. Can you imagine fucking Tucker Carlson reporting on this? They're calling it Ram Ranch. <laughs> An obscene heavy metal song that they wouldn't even play at this year's Super Bowl now being used to troll good members of an upstanding northern society. I can just hear the shitty guitar notes. Why don't I have that on the soundboard? I gotta download that one. <laughs> Should have done that one. Was for Alex. Right. This is real counter protesting. <laughs> blaring Ram Branch with their CB radio. <laughs> That's fucking great, dude. That's how you know, like your movement's not going well. It's like, damn it, we're getting bullied by the right people. <laughs> Like, I thought it was like, oh, that's a funny joke. And then I clicked on I was like, oh, is this is from the Rolling Stone. <laughs> this is actually real and happening. Oh, shit. Well, uh, Alex is busy uh, trolling the Canadian truckers, so he won't be on this episode. <laughs> he is one of the 18 cocks waiting to be sucked. Yeah. <laughs> he is ready to rut. 
Okay, so the other big news in the world, it's not really film, but it's like TV, is everyone's really angry or up in arms about the new uh, Lord of the Rings TV show. Are they? Uh, they are. Uh, Why am I asking? Yeah, apparently they're really mad about it. And this is kind of weird because uh, I actually really like Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's a huge thing. My, my brother's like a huge, huge fan of it. So we heard that there's going to be a new show. We're like, oh, sweet. That sounds like it'll be really cool. And it's going to be like before the, the movies happen and everything. So there's like a little bit of backstory. There's a whole bunch of stuff that Tolkien wrote that you could uh, film it on. And I, I'm seeing all these complaints like, oh, it looks bad. And I'm just like, well, it's not going to look as good as the Peter Jackson movies. Those are like, you know, really high budget. This is a TV thing. And then people are like, I, I don't know. I saw like a couple screenshots and I was like, I don't really see the problem. Apparently there was a trailer during the Super Bowl, which I completely missed, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even look at it. I mean, I saw, it looks like every other fucking fantasy TV show. Yeah, it's all well, the same. Sorry. Apparently, someone was complaining because there's a woman in it. It was like the go the go woke thing or something. Why would they put a fucking broad in this? Yeah, but there's like there was even like a woman in the in the movies. There was a couple women in the movies. There was like a big like female empowerment moment in the movie. Well, nothing's perfect. Yeah, well, oh, that yeah, was when so. uh, Black Widow and Shuri and Gamora walked towards Sauron together. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, apparently, they were just like, oh, no, well, in the books, she was a man. It's just like, but you didn't read the books. And I know you didn't, because no one read those books. Okay? No one read Everyone the Silmarillion a- or whatever any of those other ones Silmarillion is practically a fucking reference novel. I yeah, I, those aren't real. If you're yeah. into it, cool. That's Yeah. You might as well be into the fucking editing Star Wars wiki pages. Yeah. It's not real. None of it's real. Doesn't I'm not matter. saying I'm going to watch it, because I tapped out of Eye of the World, but like, or the Mirror of Her, whatever the fucking thing was called, I watched on Amazon. I have not watched a single Hob, I mean, I've seen all of the Hobbit movies, and they were great, oh, and I love yeah. the property. And- yeah. <laughs> oh, just try those on me, I'll probably like them, I have those low standards. Anyway, there are other movies that I thought I was going to talk about, but I didn't really watch any of them during the Super Bowl, for the like new trailers and stuff, so I just don't really care, I guess. Uh, there's other movie news. I I guess I have since forgotten it. I guess I'm we can sure go on to something. I don't know. After the yeah. 14th crypto trailer, I oh, felt real yeah. down and out about a lot. Dude, of I am so lucky. I was just I was just focusing on her the entire time. Kings, we know how to treat our ladies. Hell so, yeah. uh, Parker, please tell me who's your jerk of the week. Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. I have a jerk and I have a hero. Which would you let's like hear. first? Let's let's hear the hero. So I went to my friend's apartment earlier tonight to hang out, and as we pulled up, in the building across from them, the garage door was wide open, and inside were four dudes hanging out on Valentine's Day, guys being dudes, playing FIFA on the biggest TV you've ever seen in grilling. And I just want to say, dudes rock sometimes. I mean, dude, at this point, like I just ended the episode where you watched a Chuck Norris movie and said you wanted to enlist. Patriotism is running strong on this, you know? <laughs> just knowing that, like, it's just a bunch of bros hanging out. Not up in the apartment, just downstairs in the garage. It's pitch black outside, playing FIFA and grilling up some... Oh, my God. I'm so happy for them. I love those kings. Yes. My jerk of the week. Now, this is kind of hypocritical, because I'm going to talk about something I haven't watched yet. But okay. here's the thing about the Book of Boba Fett. Now, Alex and I, uh, we both watched both seasons of Mandalorian, and we referenced the nightmare that is a uh, young CGI Luke. Oh, so yeah. he comes back, right? Again, I've seen yeah. the clip. I haven't watched the show because I life is too short even for me to watch this. Mm-hmm. So not only is he back, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, cool, they brought back Mark Hamill. You know, he's they CGI'd his face up, and then he just does the voice. 
Chris, are you aware of who does the voice of young Luke Skywalker? Hold up. Is it Josh Gad? Funny you should say that. It's an algorithm where they inputted a bunch of Mark Hamill's old dialogue from that time period, and then it churned out these lines. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that we live in a fucking nightmare? That we Mark can just Hamill, do that sort of thing? Mark Hamill just can't, you know, not known for his voice work at all. We'll just have a robot. We'll have his CGI DH face and a robot do the lines, and that's just where movies are going to be in five years. Isn't that cool? Don't you guys love seeing Luke again? Oh, man. Look, I, I, I'm done fighting for The Last Jedi in any way, shape, or form. It's never going to happen again. But on the flip side, this is what a lot of y'all nerds ask for. This is what you wanted. Here's your young, cool Luke, who's like you read about in the books, and he's got his black outfit on, and he's training the Jedi, and oh my god, it's a CGI nightmare being voiced by an algorithm. Just let everything die. Thanks for kowtowing your entire franchise to Reddit. Isn't the like fucking world is a nightmare. I don't even get it, because like, weren't the movies good enough as they were? You know? Weren't they just like, th- those are pretty good movies. Well, the first two, they're pretty good movies. Like, you get everything you need out of them. You're like, oh yeah, it looks cool. And it's like, those are the movies. That's the store. That's all you need. Hey, remember how like the three of us genuinely enjoyed Solo a good amount, but it just made no money worldwide? Damn, guess we'll just have to digitally de-age Han Solo and just have a fucking algorithm chew up a bunch of Air Force One and Indiana Jones dialogue and spit out some shit about the Force. Let's just go down this road forever, because no one's ever really gone. You know, we have computers that can combine Alex Alex Guinness's voice with uh, Ewan McGregor's, so we'll just have that. That'll be the new voice. I eat a lot of slop, so I try not to buy into all the doom saying, like, oh, this is the end of cinema. This is pretty fucking dark. It's not great. <laughs> like, like the CGI Leia after Carrie Fisher died at the end of Rogue One was a lot. Yeah. This, this is pretty fucking dark, you guys. This is like, not great. I don't like this. Well, since Alex isn't here, I'm going to bring up a Frank Zappa anecdote that I think comes to this. Oh, uh, like, also, Alex loves Last Jedi, his favorite movie oh, the sequel trilogy. Yes, prefers yeah. the sequel to the originals. Yeah. <laughs> Ask him. Uh, yeah. Uh, he actually told me he liked Rise of Skywalker, but it's neither here nor there. Like... The Frank Zappa story is that after he stopped touring, he said that he got a new piece of equipment called a Synclavier, which you could compose anything, any sheet music you put into it, it could recreate. And he was like, well, this is good because I'm a composer and I want my music played the exact right way. And he was able to do it and he could basically put into it whatever he wanted. But he loses the human element and he said that it's just not the same because you can't have someone play a really cool solo on the spot, just improvise, because a computer can't improvise. And you're not going to do something that's as cool in that moment that, like, where you're feeling a, that particular energy that a human being can just do spontaneously. A, a computer can never do that. And it's the same thing with acting. You know, you can get it so it perfectly digitally recreates his voice. It's it's kind of like hiring like uh, an impressionist to do an impression of uh, young Luke Skywalker, which I'm sure there's like a handful of people who can do that sort of thing. But you're not going to get someone who's as good of an actor as Mark Hamill is. Like, say what you will about Mark Hamill or whatever, the guy was a really good actor and still is a really good actor. He was able to say some really clunky lines in there that George Lucas wrote, and he was able to say it better than other actors were, and that's how he got that role. And to just leave it all up to computers now, I'm just, I don't really feel like that's what Star Wars is about. I think Star Wars is about family. So. And that's what makes it so powerful. <laughs> I've always said that. Yes. 
Yeah, fucking um, dire times knowing that this is just around the corner. Not even for one of the movies, just for like, I don't know, here's our Disney Plus show where just take this character you remember and just morph him out of technology. Yeah. It's ghoulish. Couldn't recast him? We can't move on? It's fine. That's what's what we do with everything from the 70s and 80s. Don't ask me to watch that new Ghostbusters. Fucking kill me. Uh, no, Watching I'm just not CGI do Ghost Egon. Absolutely fuck yourself. There's a what? No, that's not in the movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Next week's episode. Uh, jerk of the week is myself for not getting to any of my assignments, and now I'm starting to feel guilty about it, even though I've got no ground to do so. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's a real, really that's a real Super reason Alex doesn't show. I had extra days extra off, and I was like, oh, I can get a lot done. And I'm like. I'm just going to get day drunk and watch the Super Bowl. I'm not going to watch this bullshit. I know. I know. It's totally fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, In that case, let's get into uh, what we watched. I actually have a lot, so I'm going to try to keep it a little bit short because... We don't get episodes like this a lot. We can just go short. (laughs) Especially because no Game of Games tonight. Oh, man. Damn. Uh, Hate to see that. Weird. Anyway, um... I know this is one that you've had on your list for, it must be years now, maybe even a decade plus, and it's always, it's in that list of years, it's not like, yeah, I'm gonna watch it, more like, yeah, I'll get around to it. Uh, I rewatched The Seven Samurai, the Criterion Collection Blu-ray, look, I know, I know, it's like, yeah, Chris, I'll get around to it eventually, once I get four hours of my day set aside, this one really, you you should watch this one, okay? Uh, This one's actually good. Because, like, this is one of the things is, like, I have that, uh, my list of my favorite movies, right? And Seven Samurai is really high up there, and I, it, it's been high up there ever since I first made that list, back in, like, 2009 or whatever. And as I've gone on, I'm, I, I tried to revisit the list and be like, is that movie really as good as I remember? So I decided to put it on, and it's like, oh yeah, it's actually a little bit better than I remember somehow. It is the the world's first true action movie. Uh, it, it's it uses slow mo really well. The cinematography is great. The story's great. It's it's weird because like everyone says that this is the movie that film bros use to defend the uh, the three and a half hour movie. And uh, yeah, we have a point. The long movie bastards are strong now. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready for the Batman. So yeah, Seven Samurai absolutely holds up. Uh, I'm gonna skip that one. I don't want to, but I, I'm gonna skip it anyway. Now I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. Uh, Blackboard Jungle. Uh, this is a movie starring Sidney Poitier. This is a very famous movie, and I don't know why I knew this, but I've known this ever since like I was in high school, that this is the first movie to ever use a rock and roll song. Uh, and it uses <laughs> rock around the clock. So, yeah, those white boys are <laughs> raging. <laughs> I don't know why I knew this. Uh, the story of uh, Blackboard Jungle is... Um, you ever see the uh, South Park episode where uh, where Carmen's like, "How do I reach these keys?" And then you're like, "Yeah, you're like, oh, that's stand and deliver." I'm just like, "Well, yeah, but what if it took place in the 1950s and they were all greasers?" <laughs> so that's a uh, oh, Stephen Wood King wrote it. <laughs> this is Stephen King's second worst nightmare. I'll get to his worst nightmare in a bit. But uh, Blackboard Jungle is... Uh, there's a guy who moves to like an inner city school. And he has to teach a group of kids. He doesn't know how to reach them. And I have to admit, like everyone watches this and they're just like, well, this is a bit overwrought. This is a little bit melodramatic. You know, it's a bit... Uh, I think the word I use is like it's a bit of a hypochondriac of a movie. You know, it's just like, oh no, the the teenagers are calling me daddy-o. They don't want to read <laughs> Shakespeare. You know, like 
and I just want to say this, like, as a teacher, this is kind of close to a home invasion movie. Like, you actually feel really uncomfortable the entire time, just because, like, you can't reach out and hit these kids. You're like, well, it's the 1950s, yeah, you can. No, actually, you couldn't. And the movie makes that really, really clear. You can't do that. They'd be assaulting a child. You'd go to prison. The other thing about it, and this is going to be a tough line to walk on this podcast, um, or on any podcast, uh -oh. um, is uh, the use of racial slurs. There uh, it is. This movie, How did I know? This, so this is a weird situation. This movie does, in fact, drop the hard R. And uh, let me explain the situation here. Uh Unlike Joe Rogan, I'm going to get full context. So uh, it's it's a situation in the in the in the classroom where all the uh, all the boys are of different races, and uh, at one point they start insulting each other. They start trading racial slurs, and the one guy's like, "Hey, stop it! You can't do this." I mean, seriously, uh, Sidney Poitier, how would you like it if that guy called you and he says the N word, and you're like. Alright, well, it's the 1950s. But you understand at this point, it's like you can't. It's like, say yeah, those what are you going to do about it? Literally. Yeah. What are you well, going to do about it? <laughs> no, but like, really, they're like, I understand this point. It's like, you shouldn't you shouldn't call someone that word. And it's like, okay. Then he gets called into the principal's He, the teacher, gets called into the principal's office. And he's like, yo, did you just call someone the N word in class? And uh, he's like, no, no, you have to understand in context, like, Rogan was asking about vaccines, and it's like, it's different. Exactly. <laughs> 70 and or 100 times. So, Sidney Poitier gets him almost cancelled back in 1955. What I'm saying is, Hollywood is at its best when it's progressive. And, you know, <laughs> trying to heal racial divides and everything. You know, they so couldn't make a movie like that again. <laughs> so, uh, how does he reach these kids? Uh... By showing them, <laughs> by no, by showing them an animated short of Jack of the Beanstalk. Yeah, yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. So the next movie I rewatched was uh, Twelve Angry Men, which um, uh, it's still perfect. So that was our Discord during that fucking call in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I missed all of the Discord. I, what were you guys talking about for most of it? Sarah yeah, Thomas wasn't repping, was she? Alex made sure to point out that she was not, in fact, there to ruin the game. Like last, <laughs> uh, they were all fu the fucking usual suspects were bitching oh, about yeah. that penalty in the end of the game. You can't, you can't ever have a good time, right? I thought it was a really good game. I had a really good time. I, th I was like, wow, this game is really fucking cool. And more importantly than anything else, uh, my prediction was right, and that's all that matters. Well, that actually is yes. How we I mean, got there? Not important. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, one that I, it looks like you checked off, and I checked off as well, 20 million miles to Earth. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I don't condone pirating movies, but I may or may not have been on IP Torrance and found a 1950s sci-fi pack. So, uh, <laughs> your boy's diving deep. What a yeah. picture. Yeah, dude, what man, a I picture. love that. Uh, I love that uh, the animation from, uh, what's his name, the guy who did The Lost World? Which I also watched this week. <laughs> I think it was was it like the anniversary of that movie or something? Like the ninetieth. I don't know what made me think about it, but yeah, I ended up watching both of those this week. Sometimes you just want CGI aliens and dinosaurs, or not CGI stop motion. Uh, stop motion. I'm yeah. still coming down from uh, an aggressive fair. Valentine's Day. I'm doing my best, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, the movies actually it really does feel like one of those 1950s movies. No, we we just try to reason with it. No. Nuke its ass. <laughs> so, uh, and then it ends with uh, "What has God wrought?" Then the RKO pictures. <laughs> I love that it ends on one of those lines. I want to yeah. make a compilation. I don't even remember what it was. It was just like, 
who's the real monster? (laughs) Why is it a man's evolution? Like, shut up. It's great because, like, okay... The little so dude the, just keeps yeah. growing the entire movie. It's like, what's the big finale of the monster from Venus? Oh, he fights an elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, one of my favorite things because it's so 1950s, you know? Like, the ties are about that wide and everything. Uh, apparently, the only reason it took place in Italy is because the guy who did all the stop motion wanted a vacation in Italy. So he could just... He just had that sort of clout. Stop motion guys had that kind of power back in the 1950s. We need to go back. We should absolutely go back. Yeah. I also like that they're like, okay, that thing is peaceful. We just don't need to agitate. Okay, watch this. Bang, bang, bang! <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to do is jam my thumb right up <laughs> I love how it's just a movie about a fucking CGI, or I keep saying it, a stop-motion yeah, yeah. green man from Venus. You're like, huh. So what about this is communism? Yeah, and you can really work yourselves backwards to, to make it fit. Because they all yeah. fit at the end. Yes. Well, uh, what a good movie. I watched oh other God, ones no, that are like uh, Sorry, oh, uh, God, God, yeah. now that I've pulled up the description here, can we talk yes. about the the Italians in this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah, the normal Italians who are very <laughs> real Italians who are doing normal accents that are real. I am also a Texas boy who wants a big Texas hat in front of my rodeo. Uh, the little boy, hey, excuse me, can I get a G Daughtry hat? Well, I don't know. Are you selling me some legitimate goods? Hey, it's not gonna fucking dig in the pussy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> These are the most aggressive Italians I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it was an added treat on top. Treat? Treat. Okay. So, yeah, that was a fucking movie. It, it is very 1950s, and I had downloaded a bunch of other uh, 1950s movies from the list. And uh, some of them were like, when I say some of them, I mean all of them have Peter Cushing in there somewhere except for this one. Oh, God. I should have watched He's everywhere. More. I was going to watch a bunch of Hammer Horror, but I zigged instead of zagged, and I'll be I... a giant hairy tarantula movie. I'm going to be hey, honest. Spoilers. Man. They just fucking talk in a lab the whole time, and there's a tarantula <laughs> at the end. It's my Thanks favorite for review. Fucking nothing. <laughs> Dude, I have to admit, most of those Hammer Horror ones really leave me dry, especially oh, yeah. um, the one I just watched, The Brides of Dracula. So here's the thing. The the first Hammer Horror movie I saw was the 1958 Dracula with Christopher Lee, and one of the things that immediately stands out is that it's a British movie, and a British movie 1958 is very different from an American movie 1958 because the men play... Because uh, you can show a lot more blood, and you can show a lot more cleavage. And it sounds like, oh, Chris, you're being perfect. No, that matters, because it's like, it's different. And if you make a movie called The Brides of Dracula, I want to see some cleavage. And they don't show any of that whole fucking movie. Waste of my fucking time. See, you bring women into things. You try and reach (laughs) out to the SJW (laughs) British of the 1950s. Oh, God. I I bet they're going to be wearing armor in The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) It's very much a specific mood of like, I would like to watch a Hammer Horror movie, not, hey, I wonder what's on Prime right now. Yeah. I need to be in the room for these specific four actors in a castle in the 1960s, or else I'm yeah. going to have a bad time. I, and to be fair, that is definitely a mood thing. And maybe I just wasn't in the mood. Maybe I was just going through the list absentmindedly. Oh, but nice I also don't understand. Yeah. Peter Cushing, just Peter Cushing about. Vincent yeah. Price holding a candelabra. That's a good day. Christopher good Lee's in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Man. You do that on like a nice rainy September. You're having a good time. Oh, you yeah. do that on the middle of February. Not the same. You, that, you know what? That's a good point. Um, That's why I watch Tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of movies I probably shouldn't have watched during the 1950s, uh, I watched... 
the third worst musical I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The worst is obviously uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, Hell. and second worst is uh, whatever the sequel was to Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh, yeah, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, Was that you? I thought it was me. I mean, you started it. <laughs> yeah, a good point. Yeah, actually, I deserve that. Okay, the third worst is a movie that, back when I started watching movies, I think I may have told you about this, or I either told uh, the other Alex. Uh, I used uh, the first list I ever used was the AFI American Film Institute list of the top 100 American movies, and uh, I, I went through all of them. I was like, "Wow, those are really good." And I looked at their expanded list of nominees. And I was just like, "Oh, this is interesting." Then you go on, and you, like you see like different sorts of things. You go down this rabbit hole, right? And I remember one movie came across my mind. It wasn't in their top like even 400 movies. It was just like this is a well-known American movie. It's called Porgy and Bess, and. Uh, I was like, huh, I wonder why this is, that's a 1950s sort of a musical, mostly black cast. Oh, okay, set it aside in the back of my head. And uh, I remember I was watching, I think I may have mentioned this, uh, I was watching Hey Arnold, and it's the episode where Olga comes home, and uh, Helga finally uh, succeeds in putting her in a catatonic state. And uh, Arnold's like, hey, you look like you're in a good mood, and Helga's, Helga just responds, well, the catfish are jumping and the cotton is high. And I was like, huh. <laughs> Where is that from? Because that's from something. And I looked it up, and it's from uh, it's the opening line from Porgy and Bess. I'm like, huh, well, majority black cast, Sidney Poitier's in it. It's a musical? Hey, I'll uh, go ahead and uh, give this a look. Now, the important thing about Porgy and Bess is I did pirate this because that's the only way to watch it. This is one of uh, America's most infamous lost films, right up there with Orson Welles' cut of The Magnificent Ampersons, and also The Day the Clown Cried. So, Porgy and Bess is, uh, it is actually, you are able to find it. I actually watched this thing on YouTube, so it's not really that lost. But it's not in very good quality at all. This never really got a Blu-ray release, so, you know, you're going to have to kind of squint to see it. Especially because the movie utilizes zero close-ups. Whoever was, it's a majority black cast and they have a white director, and... You know, I mean, for a 1959 movie, you're just like, I mean, come on, how many black directors were there? And I'm not saying that, like, a black director necessarily would have done a better job just because he would know the cast and their struggles and stuff, although that is what James Baldwin argues, and I tend to agree with him on this sort of stuff. But a a different director would have known that you can zoom in on people because it's a movie, you know? You don't have to shoot it like it's a stage play. And that way you can actually see what the characters are, are going through and thinking, and you don't have to shoot all these long shots. It just looks... I can't see what's going on. Just push in there. Everything's in a fucking wide shot. Anyway, the sound quality is not spectacular and the music's not spectacular. But also, again, when I talk about Hollywood being progressive here, the world was better than this in 1959. Okay? Like, this is regressive. And this is like. Sidney Poitier didn't even want to be in the movie because it's just like, look, come on. My people deserve better than this. What are we doing? And they're just like, ah, but what if we paid you for it? He's like, oh, well, good point. And. uh, Got me. (laughs) Yeah, got me again. Uh, Who else is in this? Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is in here as a character called Sportin' Life. Sounds like a. Yeah, sounds like a. Sounds that like really a tickled me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a Spike Lee character. I don't know. I watched Black Dynamite this week. It sounds like he'd be one of the pimps. Yes. Yeah, so, so, Sport so life and chocolate giddy up yeah. hanging out. Yeah, this is maybe the worst movie I could have watched during. Um, 
during Black History Month. It's just... <laughs> it's really bad, because every single character feels like it's a black person doing blackface, you know? Like, they're saying, like, eyes going to go to... Like, come on. And, like, they don't even feel comfortable with the dialogue. Like, they're, like... Sidney Poitier is a great actor. He's one of the greatest actors in American history. Like, every single movie I've seen him in, besides this... He's been fantastic. And even in this movie, he's really good. Like, he's a good singer. He's, he has a really tough job. He's on his knees the entire movie. Uh, not like Gary Oldman. Oh, and it's oh. like, I, yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I, Perks me honestly, right up. Yeah, <laughs> Alex wakes up and just... <laughs> just I, I should play like the, the, the Flintstone sound effect of their feet slapping the ground as he runs to his mic. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Poor Gin Bess is uh, not good. Don't seek it out. It's not worth your time uh, I was in no danger of doing yeah that. well <laughs> I had never heard of it I will never remember that name yeah I'm try- I believe it or not I'm skipping a lot of these I promise I'm going as fast as I can here the next movie I watched is a big movie oh, yeah. uh, this movie is called giant and it's the biggest movie of all time yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's three and a half hours. Holy guacamole. What it's is well this? known as the movie that killed James Dean. Uh, James, oh, cool. De- yeah. James Dean was well known in uh, American history, American film history, for I think only being in three ma- major motion pictures. But he left such an indelible impression upon the youth that he was still considered a film legend. It was this, Giant, and uh, a Rebel Without a Cause, and something else I don't remember. Uh, probably something obvious that just doesn't come to me. Later. It's probably the only one I've seen, but I also yeah. can't remember the name. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's in uh, he's in Giant here. He plays a Texas rancher. This is a very Texas movie. The tagline was a movie as big as Texas. So Parker Ooh. might need a wish on this one. So uh, no, sir. <laughs> it also has uh, who is that gay guy? Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson okay. playing uh, a okay. Texas rancher, ba- basically uh, kind of like a Buck Strickland sort of character. And I don't know if you've ever seen a Rock Hudson movie, but that is a role he simply cannot play. Like, I'm not saying that I have a strong gaydar, because I really don't. And you look at him, and you're just like, yeah, you know what? I have a feeling a lot of people looked at him and said, what? Him? Gay? Are you sure? But you you see this, you see him trying to play a Texas rancher, just like, oh, he can't. You can't really do that. I just think of Austin Powers. Did you know Liberace was gay? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Yes, uh, unfortunately, we knew the whole time. (laughs) We'll get to that. But uh, also, this has uh, Elizabeth Taylor, uh, who uh, turns out, like... You know, like you read throughout history, is like Elizabeth Taylor got married like twenty-seven times or some dumb shit like that, and she kept getting married like into her seventies and stuff. You'd just be like, "Well, it has to be for the money, right?" I see her in this movie. I'm just like, honestly, she they aged her up so well in this movie. Like, I would take a chance on seventy-year-old Liz Taylor. She looks incredible. She's beautiful. Uh, I I like her. I think Liz Taylor for like all this stuff. Like she was more of a celebrity than anything else. She's also a really good actress. So let's give Liz Taylor credit for actually knowing what she's doing. This contrasts well against uh, our poor boy James Dean, who I have to say I don't think was a very good actor at all. I think it's he's very much like Marlon Brando in terms of being extremely overrated. Uh, the difference here is I'm not going to make fun of James Dean too much because he was killed young. He did say I'm like a genuinely nice person, whereas Marlon Brando was fat. But uh, James Dean was. <laughs> if you want, I could do like my James Dean impression here. Okay, so we're kind of here. 
I said, all right, let's, let's go. I'm gonna be in Texas. Oh my god, he's such a tortured soul. <laughs> the he's <anguish>. like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wearing a drive jacket, watching this three and a half hour James Dean. <laughs> Tommy, so but Tommy, so watching Giant Peel, like, oh yeah, my next idea, yeah. uh for a movie, like, it's good, and it's, like, it's grand in scope and everything, and I like following the story, but it's a little too simplistic for me, I guess. And I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get into this one at all. Um, I watched a, a Bollywood movie called... Well, I don't really... I don't know if I could call it Bollywood movie since it came out in 1960. I don't know if it was really called Bollywood back then. It was an Indian movie. It's called The Cloud the Cloud Cap Star. Uh, the only reason I mentioned this is because, I, uh, for my Letterboxd review, I call it The Cheek Clap Star. So yeah, thank you. And then what put I this in what made you watch this? I wanted to make a joke called the. Cheap I didn't mean to come out that and aggressively. <laughs> I'm just wondering what made a 1960s Indian movie come across your desk. It was on 12 different lists. All right, fair enough. And uh, it's not really that memorable. Uh, the women in this movie are very, very pretty. Uh, the next oh, yeah, movie I watched. <laughs> uh, I mentioned my least favorite musicals, but my all-time favorite is the original 1961 West Side Story, which I decided I would rewatch because I do think I should give the new one a fair shot. West Side Story has to be Stephen King's worst nightmare. It. This is like. <laughs> can you imagine a whole bunch of greasers just doing ballet at him? <laughs> Get off my car! I'm trying to leave. Yeah. Uh, West Side Story is, as far as I'm concerned, perfect. And I'd love to hear Alex's take on this because he's also a musical nerd. Uh, I I think in terms of mu- of movie musicals, West Side Story does it better than anything else. It's also like a great counterpoint to Porgy and Bess because it's like, look, we can have close, we can shoot in New York City. We can make it look like they're actually there and not on a shitty little stage, you know? It's like we could do all these cool things with sets. And, but, uh, yeah, they never really do that in Porgy and Bess, but they do do it in West Side Story. Additionally, like, I'm, I'll be serious here. This is really... Uh, uh, Hollywood at its most progressive and in a really good way and they talk about very serious issues in a very serious way the song America besides being a really really catchy song that's a debate that's still raging today and both sides are making really good points uh, they talk about racism they talk about uh, you know how violence begets violence and I, I happen to really like it. it the other thing is it's Shakespeare I happen to love Shakespeare I'm you know as bad as Shakespeare can be screwed up, it's still going to be Shakespeare at the end of the day. Uh, and people can be like, oh, well, you know, the West Side Story, they use a lot of brown face in the movie. But yeah, the actors so are really I. good, though. I mean, one of the reasons that they use brown face is because uh, they had, they cast George Chakiris, a Greek actor, as a Puerto Rican. But the guy was a really good singer, and he was a really good dancer. It's just like, well, sorry, I, I kind of hey, don't man. mind. Close enough. <laughs> Yeah, also, uh, yeah. the other thing here is that... Also, that, that was uh, one of the things that they said. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Also, like, Natalie Wood in this movie, people were like, oh, Natalie Wood isn't really Puerto Rican, but I'm like, she looks almost identical to one of my Puerto Rican friends. So, I'm sorry, she's able to pass. Uh, the other thing is it's kind of nice seeing the two guys from Twin Peaks in this. Fuck oh, it. Yeah. yeah, dude. Richard Beamer, who... Uh, aged well but uh was really a looker when he was young uh the, who's the other one the guy who played riff uh, uh he plays dr jacoby in twin I peaks i fucking knew it five seconds yeah. ago now yeah i short circuiting something or other whatever uh elvis presley he's fucking in this something tamblin is that him oh yeah russ tamblin holy shit good job for you 
Yeah, Russ Hamblin. Get loose, baby. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. Russ Hamblin is in this, and... Okay, so he doesn't do his own singing, fine, whatever, but he's got incredible comedic timing, and his dance moves are fucking fantastic. He's doing all these flips and shit. That guy's incredible. And, like, the other thing is I've, I've read a lot about 1950s New York street gangs because, I don't know, it's just one of my hobbies. Uh, Wait, what? Alex likes Where? to read about... I've a bunch of Harlan Ellison books. Did, did, did oh. I ever tell you the story where Harlan Ellison joined a 1950s New York street gang? <laughs> it's like that Always Sunny episode where Frank joins his old street gang. And they just sing doo-wop <laughs> songs at people. He just no, he did it because he needed a uh, you know writing material. It's like, well, what if I join the gangs? I'm five two, so I can basically pass. And uh, he was able to get in there, and he wrote about it. And it's really a fascinating subject, 1950s uh, New York street gangs, because they really were very violent. Uh, they did talk about, you know, zip guns, switchblades, stuff like that, and some of them did, in fact, have pompadours. Uh, but they were also a product of a lot of men not returning home from World War II, so they grew up without a father figure in their lives. And uh, by the 1960s, they sort of aged out because a lot of them were just joining the Merchant Marines and everything. And West Side Story kind of shows this because you never see their parents because some of them don't really have a father figure or, or real parents you know uh additionally i guess i can get to the subject of uh transsexuality here because there is a character of anybody's uh who is a female character who desperately wants to be part of the gang and they don't really it's it's not as blatant as some people would like to say but there is definitely an undercurrent where uh, she kind of wants to be a boy and uh, it's considered a big moment in the movie where uh, someone calls her Buddy Boy, and it's like, and she smiles really big, and it's a big moment for her. That being said, it's still not perfect because there are two lines in the best song in the movie, G. Officer Krupke. Uh, my sister wears a mustache, my brother wears a dress. Golly Moses, that's why I'm a mess. And they're like, all right, obviously that's not as progressive as things could have been, but think about 1961. Honestly, pretty good. Am I grading on a curve? Yes. Does it deserve it? Yes. Uh, so yeah, West Side Story it really holds up for me. I really like the the music. I really like the direction and everything. It it's one of those movies where it like has a reputation for the Academy Awards, which are coming up, and it had like a million nominations and it won almost all of them. Rita Moreno in particular is just fantastic. She adds so much to that role. Uh, she also does most of her own singing, which is uh, kind of nice. Uh, and yeah, yeah it, it turns out it holds up and. If the new one is, in fact, better than the original, hey, I'll be really shocked, because that's a high bar to clear. Only two more here. I pro Actually, I'm just going to make one more, uh, just to get to you. Valentine's Day. I decided I'd watch an episode of Hey Arnold that I somehow had never seen before, even though I thought I watched all of them in order. Uh, luckily, my brother got me the complete, TV, the complete DVD collection, so I could check this one out. It's called Arthur's... Not Arthur. Arnold's Valentine. Uh, it's a classic episode where he goes on a date with two girls at the same time. Oh, what a player. He's dating Ruth, uh, the girl he's had a crush on forever, and Cecile, which is really uh, Helga, who's dressed up as a French girl. And Ruth here actually gets a voice for the first time, and she's played by Eliza Thornberry, and she's played as a complete idiot. Uh now, this episode's actually pretty good. It's one of those very special 22-minute episodes instead of the 11-minute segments. And the jokes are, like, noticeably better uh, than most of the other episodes. It's got a good message, which is beyond being like, hey, don't date two girls at the same time. That's not very nice. But more so, 
it addresses the fact that Arnold doesn't really know anything about Ruth. He just thinks that she's pretty, and it takes more for a relationship than that. And once he learns more about her, he finds out they don't really have anything in common. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a really good message, especially for kids. And uh, I just want to talk about my favorite joke of the entire movie, <laughs> the entire show, the entire episode. Uh, the reason uh, she pretends to be a French girl is because Arnold has a pen pal who's French. He's like, oh, I'll pretend to be her and visit him at Chaperie. Uh Everyone in the class has a pen pal, and her pen pal, she's like, I never get anything cool from my pen pal. Like, Rhonda got, like, a box of chocolate from her sweet friend. Uh, yeah, my pen pal never sends me anything good. And all she gets is, uh, what they call it, I, I'm, I'm going to use a country here. I think it was uh, Uzbekistan was where her uh, pen pal is from. Uzbekistan. And uh, it's just a postcard, and on the cover it's just... A, a desert and on the back it just says please send money <laughs> that was really funny <laughs> it's just an abandonment it just reminded me of starving marvin <laughs> mr and mrs click click derp <laughs> click click derp <laughs> all right so uh barker what did you watch oh boy let's back it up a couple weeks here yeah Oh, something I forgot to mention forever ago. Uh, our mm-hmm. good friend Broly, who just watches Bengals, just absolutely eat shit in the worst way possible. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, uh, he hosted a small stream for a couple of us in a, one of his horror discords, and which was entitled Guts and Guts, in which he found a horrendous 80s horror movie called The Brain. And then, um, so you know how like with horror hosts, they'll like, play like, 20, 30 minutes in the movie, then it'll like cut back to the host, and they'll talk about. It, and then it'll go back. Yeah. Well, instead of having a host, he just played an episode of Guts, and this <laughs> went on for the entire movie. And this is one of the best viewing experiences I ever had. Oh, that's he good. Twenty minutes of this shit ass movie, and just a full episode of Guts. And as the night progressed, people were just getting more and more angry at these kids for absolutely blowing it on the aggro crag. And they would cut back <laughs> to a giant sentient brain eating people. Yes, it was holy shit. a wonderful time. Oh, that's fantastic. I forgot fantastic. to mention that back when it happened. But, uh, yeah, give, com- give some credit to Broly. Sorry about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> everything else. Oh. Hey, brother, time Alex assigned me the Playmobil movie, because I fucking do. <laughs> you know what I bet he didn't realize when he did that? <gasps> what? It's a fucking musical. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many songs. Oh, Imagine shit. the look on my face when this movie not only starts out in live action, but it's a live action oh. Anya Taylor Joy. No. Imagine what? my what? face <laughs> when her and her little brother sing this whole fucking song about seeing the world and we're playing together, we're having fun, and it's all going to be a great fucking future and everything's great. And then the 5 show up and go, hey, knock, knock. Your parents were in a car wreck and they're dead now. <laughs> no, come on. So this entire movie, it's like a time jumps and she's raising her raising her brother on her own. And she's just a teenager. And he's like, wow, you're not even fun anymore. So they end up getting transported to the magical world of Playmobil. Oh, Who could forget God. all of your favorite Playmobil things like generic pirate and generic cop and generic firefighter. I... And the whole movie system going on all these adventures for her little brother 
to teach her, hey, don't give up on your hopes and dreams. It's like, motherfucker, she didn't give up. Her, your parents died and she had to raise you on her own. She didn't just, like, get a fucking corporate yeah. job and give up on her dreams of being a painter. She yeah. has to put food on your fucking face. <laughs> it is... It's basically what everyone thought the Lego movie would be until we saw it. Yeah. It's what the Lego movie would be without Lord and Miller. Yeah. The surprising part, the animation's real good. Like, it looks oh, really? very nice. Clearly, whatever studio out. they outsourced it to looked very good. Um, fuck, I don't remember. Obviously, it was after the Lego movie within the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Um, made, like, literally no money. I think it opened under a million dollars. Wait, this movie opened somewhere? I thought this would be direct to DVD. Exactly. So did I. Yeah, just they outsourced it to some French studio. They're like, it looks great for what it is, but oh, yeah. give me credit mean, for that. As much fun as it is to shit on brands in every movie, just cramming brands in your face, uh, it's really not that much fun without the different brands. <laughs> It's not that much fun without having Batman yeah. and Gandalf and all the other fun characters. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's not quite as good as Food Fight. Play more. That's what I thought it was going to look like, honestly. I expected <laughs> it to look like yeah. Food Fight. It's like, I mean, nothing's well, like that bad. Look, if I had a kid somehow, I wouldn't be offended at this 90 minutes. It could yeah, have been you know, much, It much seems worse. endurable for, like, especially young age. You know, they get uh, to look at Andy Taylor Joy. The worst part about it is just full of songs and not a single one is catchy or memorable, which... Yeah. How do you fuck that up, man? It's a kid's movie. Yeah. Let's see. I will wait for my good friend Alex to return to talk to him about Street Kings, a movie that uh, that's right up his alley. I don't remember yeah. if he'd watch it or not, but uh, I did not realize it was a David Ayer movie until I hit play and holy oh, guacamole, boy. is it ever? <laughs> you know, they keep talking about it. Are they going to release a David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad? Right? Uh, it's Look, I as much as I was surprised by the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League being that much better than Justice League, I really don't know how I that that you look at Suicide Squad and you make it good based on the footage that we saw, you know, and based on everything else David Ayer has made. Also correct. <laughs> well, well, I celebrated Black History Month the way anyone should. Because the worst thing in the world is uh, you open up Netflix or Prime or something. It's like, oh, celebrate Black History Month. And you go to that tab and it's just, here's a bunch of movies about slavery and civil rights and yeah. the help. You're like, oh, sick. Love to celebrate black culture with fucking Emma Stone and her servants. Like, See, that's the thing this? that I keep hearing from like, my black friend. Is that like they don't like watching like black movies where the black movie is like twelve years a slave? It's like yeah, I don't actually like seeing that. that We're that gonna celebrate kinda... black culture. Oh, cool, more suffering. This is because like it's it's like it's racism important to is know. a problem. Thank yeah, you it's so it's much. important that people know this sort of thing. But like, I could do without a movie where I have to see that sort of thing. You what know? if it was more than grief form? What if we actually yeah. celebrated black culture? Which yeah, is why I watch Black Dynamite in New Jack City. Yeah, I've never, seen New, right I've never oh. seen New Jack City. I've never seen New Jack City. I really want to see it. It's real fucking good, as it turns out. <laughs> now, <laughs> turns out before we get guy that. is quite the movie star. Let's talk about Black Dynamite again, because it holy is. shit, dude. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched it in a while. I've seen it a couple times. But catching a bunch of jokes from the beginning that I've forgotten... <laughs> the flashback was like <laughs> I'm 18 year old Black Dynamite and you are my 17 year old brother you've gotta quit the drugs 
I forgot the entire (laughs) Vietnam flashback where he just keeps talking about the dead Chinese with his Chinese legs blown off, looking at me through his Chinese eyes, saying something to me in Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) Is there ever going to be a better line than put black dynamite? I sell drugs to the community. I sell drugs to my community. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of a movie I should I should watch during Black History Month is or rewatch during Black History Month is Pootie Tang, which uh, Joe Burrow, by the way, almost a Super Bowl winner, said it's an all time great classic movie, and he is correct for saying it. He it was gets high a pass. On the list. It was high up on the list. <laughs> yeah, but I'd also think never about seen New Jack just, City. <laughs> this here's kid, the dumbest kid in town. <laughs> I had forgotten how long the diner scene goes where they're piecing together what the anaconda malt liquor is. <laughs> I forgot how many minutes long that whole scene is. She was cracking up so hard next to me. Because she'd look away look back and be like, and who is the, the Greek equivalent of the Roman god of war? <laughs> on and on and on just to get to the punchline that the liquor makes your dick small and they go to the guy's apartment see his tiny little chode and just shoot him to death but it's a fucking good movie <laughs> that's the best assignment I've ever received by the way it's, it's somehow yes better than Freddy Got Figured Black Time it's a masterpiece <laughs> It's one of those movies where you just think about it and start laughing in the middle. I should rewatch that. That's gonna be that's. I'm gonna rewatch. It's gonna be my top ten somehow. I saw it on HBO Max and did the biggest soy face you can imagine. (laughs) I need that on Blu-ray. It's so funny. (laughs) What if they have a poster for that? Let's just say black tie my poster. Oh shit! All right. So tell me about uh, New Jack City. What's it about? Well, uh, it's about our good friend Wesley Snipes and his and his, his friends, you know, just running a crack ring in New York City. And uh, cops, uh, led by Ice-T, trying to infiltrate and stop him. And Skip, you know I'm passionate about a gritty crime drama set in dirty-ass New York City. And it's just watching people trying to infiltrate uh, Chris Rock as a absolute crack fiend trying to <laughs> infiltrate and not give himself away. And then just finding himself in a room full of crack, which is not good for your operation if you're trying to, you know, sneak him in with a wire. Uh, all the performances are good. It's just, I fucking love shitty, crusty-ass New York crime dramas with all my heart and soul. And we will never get them again. Every movie in New York only exists so it can be in Times Square with a million ads in the background. Yeah, that's true. Is it wait? Is uh, New Jack City? Is that the one with the line "Sit your five dollar ass down before I make change"? It sure is, it's dude. Also the that's one where, where the meme comes from of him, Wesley Snipes, tearfully holding the gun out about to pull the trigger. <laughs> that, by the way, that line is one of the lines I, I taught to uh, my students when I was in South Korea. So that's beautiful. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it because there's a lot of you know double crossing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'll. I'll I mean, that's the it. main gist of it. Is they run a drug empire. They start selling crack. They cut out the Italians who are none too happy about it. And then she, you know, unfolds naturally as it does with a lot of people getting murdered because that's how the crack game goes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm thinking again about Black Dynamite. I mean, like, something else in its favor. That and, <laughs> uh, 
Dolomite is my name, uh, is it's black people taking something that is part of their culture, like specifically black exploitation movies that were done by black directors featuring black actors and everything. And it's it's spoofing it, but in a very loving way. It's like, yeah, these are kind of silly, but it's part of our culture. We grew up with it. It's, it's something that's important to us. It's kind of like, it, it's... It can contrast this with, and uh, I, I do kind of like the movie, but it's like Quentin Tarantino spoofing kung fu movies in uh, in Kill Bill Volume 1. It's just like, well, oh, it's not really your sort of thing there, Quentin. But he, and, and then again, it is very loving, and I appreciate the fact that it's loving, but it, there's a little bit something extra to it when it's like Michael J., Michael J. White doing it, you know, because it's it's for them, you know, and that that doesn't mean that it's exclusively for them, but like it is something that's like, hey, this is like a little something for us, and the fact that they can look back on something of their own that was made for and by them, and like kind of make fun of it and do it in a loving way and still have it be that good, I think that makes it a really special movie, you know. And the the other thing is like it's just really good satire. It's like it's really funny. The jokes work, and it's obviously making fun of something very specific. And uh, you can tell everyone who's working on the movie is having a really good time. And uh, I don't know. I think that goes a long way. So uh, yeah, we Black Dynamite two when? Let me know. (laughs) Mama says my dad's name is Black Dynamite. A lot of cats have that name. Get out of here. Like, if I was in a writer's room and I came up with the line, your zest for kung fu treachery, I would retire and kill myself and put that on my tombstone. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard to describe fiendish Dr. Wu. Fucking fiendish. Your zest for kung fu treachery. The fact that movie, it ends dude. with him having a nunchuck fight against Tricky Dick Nixon in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Tricky Dick, that's no name for a president. <laughs> Just thinking about that movie puts me in a good mood, honestly. Oh, it's man, like I... 80 minutes you're in and out before the joke Is it really? Like, Shit, yeah, dude. It's, I, yeah. it's I want to live that movie. <laughs> Everyone should watch Black Dynamite. Yeah. So, uh, interesting thing I had. Uh, so, was it, I think last week. We had our annual two days of snow and ice where the whole fucking oh, state yeah. shuts down. Mm-hmm. So I figured, what better time than now to rewatch The Shining? And I watched it with a friend who had never seen it before. Jeez. And it only proved how good the movie is because it's someone who's, you know, has seen all the references for 30 years, grew up oh, yeah. watching The Simpsons, so knows the entire movie just from the Treehouse of Horror sketch. Yeah. And all of those things that have been memed to death in pop culture still hitting. Yep. Like all of those come so late in the movie that you're so invested. It hits all all work and no play hits, red rum hits, it all still works, no matter how many times you've seen it parodied. Because the movie's just so fucking good. I wonder if uh here's the big one though, the one that really was parodied ever since nineteen eighty for God, forty two years now, jeez. It I wonder if Here's Johnny still hits. Because that's a reference to something that's not even on the air anymore, you know? I don't even hit with me that much anymore. It's just, it feels a little too silly. Yeah. Not as silly as uh, when Wendy's walking around and finds the room full of skeletons. That 
That's a little too silly. This yeah. cobweb skeleton room is a little much. I don't even remember that. You know, the weirdest one is, like, I think Josh still doesn't like that movie. And the weirdest thing is because, like, it's not like the book. <laughs> it's like, it's Which, not something you'd expect from Josh. But he also says the acting is not any good in it. And I'm like, I thought the acting was really, incorrect. really good in that movie, all right? <laughs> that's, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on here before. But, like, I've yeah. read The Shining and I get it. Because you can tell how yeah. personal that book was to King. You oh, can yeah. tell that like, he was very clearly, uh, you know, in the yeah. middle of his rampant alcoholism and trying to deal with being a new father and all that. You mm-hmm. can tell this was a very, very personal book, so seeing anything change was probably difficult. But also, man, fucking get over it. It's a really yeah. good movie. Yeah, also the movie, the movie is objectively the better than the book. Yeah, like, they're both very good in their own rights and yeah. are different enough to both stand on their own. Stop being a whiny piss baby about it. Just I mean, fucking the movie get over is, it, dude. The movie's just shot so well. And, like, this isn't a visual medium that we're doing, so we don't have to do the, the YouTube explainer of how the geometry of the shots works and everything like that. But also, I feel like you shouldn't have to say all this stuff. I, I'm not dismissing analysis of film or anything, but there are certain evocative moments in the movie like the sound design of of the tricycle on the carpet. Oh my god, the yeah. fucking sound of that thing! Turn with the steady cam falling around the corners. I've seen this yeah. movie a dozen times. It still makes my stomach like, or things yeah. around the fucking corner. I mean, because that's the thing that analysis on YouTube always seems to miss is just the story, and it's like the story is really what's keeping me going this entire time here because every single time it comes up with like the, the new day, they're skipping ahead and be like, God, war days with that guy. I'm eating breakfast in a different room, man. <laughs> the fucking the Thursday slow, slow zoom on him just staring dead out yeah. the window. Friday, fucking chef's kiss. One of the best things in that movie. It really sells without a single line of like, "Oh, he's fucked." And one See, thing I did I didn't realize before was like, "Bro, it's only been like a month. What is this dude's deal?" Yeah, I kind of get it, Stephen, because that's one of his big complaints. Is like, you see him in frame one, you're like. This dude's fucking crazy. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like the introduction here is uh, apparently the one complaint people have about the movie is that he's introduced as crazy. And that's just his face, guys. Yeah. I have to tell you. Yeah, I mean, as soon as like he's he's driving there, and it seems like he really doesn't like anyone else in the car. He's instead asks, "Are we almost at the hotel, Dad?" He's like, "Yeah, we're almost there." And it's why I was like, I was really thinking that uh, perhaps we could eat some cornflakes when we get it. Yeah, I'm sure they have lots of cereal. Can you fucking blame them? <laughs> you're stuck in that car. You're driving up a winding ass mountain. Like, oh boy, I hope they have cornflakes. I'm trying not to die. Yeah. <laughs> Can you focus? Can you talk to our son? Hey, your yeah. son's back there. He's yeah. acting up again. He's doing so, that like, demon voice. Also, you can kind of contrast this with the scene where he meets the one guy and says, No, I promise. I'm 100% over my alcoholism. Haven't had a drop in years. And he looks like a fairly normal guy in that scene. But in this scene, it's like a long drive with his family. And I'm just like, oh, there's maybe like a subtle commentary thing. You can contrast this with uh, your favorite version, your preferred version, which is the TV series. Where... Everyone just Stephen Weber, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where people just already know that uh, Danny has psychic powers, uh, and they're just like, "Oh boy, he's talking." What did Tony say? Did Dad get the job? Like, fuck your yeah. face. This yeah. sucks. Yeah. 
Anyway, glad you enjoyed The Shining. Look, Stephen King, I understand how personal this book is to you, but sorry that one of the greatest filmmakers in history adapted it into a masterpiece. Must be so hard for you. (laughs) So it must be so hard getting all those residuals from now until forever. You know. Sorry he changed your fucking magic hedge animals, you dickhead. (laughs) I'm sorry, Stephen King. You know, if if people are going to do your movies, maybe someone ought to do Stephen King right. Yeah, it's gonna scare the hell out of you. <laughs> even looking at the camera. Out, there was like five good adaptations in the beginning, and it was dog shit for like fifteen straight years. Scare the hell out of you. Fucking high horse, you. Yeah, make Dreamcatcher. All right, let's talk about American movie, a movie that yes! spoke to me in ways I was not prepared for. Okay, man. So, like, the first thing that you can like kind of see when you make a movie is that like. Making movies are really, really hard, right, man? I, I've i never wanted to make a movie as badly as I did watching this. Right? Thank you. Yes. This is like one of those weird ones because I, I kind of don't know how some people are going to react to it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, let's make fun of that guy. It's pretty easy to dump on the guy, like look at him, listen to him, and like see the stuff that he does and <laughs> kind of lives a sort of pathetic life. But also, the man has a dream, you know? Like he's got. What do you have? He's very bad at his dream, which is really funny. Yeah, also like you think about something specifically for us. Everything Sam Raimi went through to get that first Evil Dead made. Yeah, absolutely. All of the fucking going door to like, oh hello, dentist in town. Because I borrow some money, and you compare this. He's like, oh, I asked four people for money. I guess I'll just make this other movie, and then I'll sell thirty five hundred copies to the video stores, and then I can make my movies. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the hardest stuff to watch is him, and I think it was him and his grandfather or something like that. Oh my god, this oh. fucking uncle who is just oh, uncle, yeah. deteriorating in real time. That guy, it's he looks brutal. like an Egyptian skeleton. Just... <laughs> well, let's talk about the real hero, which is, of course, his friend, the, uh, the scratch-off addict to Estico, <laughs> who goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, and then his sponsor picks him up and takes him to Gamblers Anonymous, because he keeps spending all of his money on scratch-offs. See the guy who's just like this a little bit? Who just mouth agape? Or there's just a cut to them working on the cut in the movie together, and he just talks about how much acid he did that one time, to where he was hospitalized, and the doctor's like, this is the most we've ever seen. And he's like, yeah, I got out like a month later, and then I didn't stop until like a year and a half after that. Yeah, there's like a, a four-second pause, and he goes, <laughs> That dude. The end montage where like, it's the day of the screening. And, like, they're still splicing the movie together. Oh and he just has headphones on just singing Metallica's Fight Fire with Fire over what sounds like a ukulele. <laughs> Absolutely incredible stuff. You love to see it. Dude, the whole thing is shot, like... I'm not saying that they have, like, terrible lives and they should kill themselves. I, w- I would never, ever say anything like that. But I look at this, and it is a really good illustration of poverty. Because, uh, like, I, I, my family really didn't have money growing up. Like, we live in Poolsville, and it's, uh, you know, it's still in Montgomery County, so I guess it's one of the richer counties and stuff. And, I mean, we had, we weren't poor. We were just, we just didn't have as much money as, you know, a whole lot of other people did. I look at these people and their houses and their clothes and everything, I'm like, you guys are trying to make a movie? You gotta, you gotta have to move somewhere or something. I just said movie the way that he does. <laughs> like, I could see someone watching this and just coming away being like, so fucking sad he has nothing and he just made this 
shitty little thing that like a hundred people in this run downtown are gonna see. But I'm like, well, I've spent like five years recording a podcast that three yeah. of my coworkers <laughs> listen to, so I understand, dude. Chase yeah. the dragon. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, again, I it's find like, it inspiring. Also, just watching his deterioration. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, for his uncle, might as well just have his jaw just go like in Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> like watching him just absolutely swindle all the people in his town and be like, "No, you'll be a producer. And it'll be great. And your name will be on the screen, and you'll be a part of this movie, and you'll get to do this." And then it's just the progression until we get to the Super Bowl where he just gets Dude. absolutely blackout, sees Brett Favre holding up the trophy, he's like, I could award a fucking 40 hour factory job on these fucking losers out there. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh man. Desmond Howard returning. <laughs> anyway. Oh, you remember uh, that game? Yeah. It's one of the first <laughs> Super Bowls I remember watching. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he, you know, the, the thing about it is that Coven does actually kind of look like a good movie. I kind of want to see it, you know. And I would he, love to see it. I bet it's wretched. <laughs> yeah, he was on a couple talk show circuits after this movie came out. People were like, "Yeah, we gotta get more of this guy." And uh, turns out he's like, he does know what he's talking about. He understands like editing and basic stuff like that and how he wants to make a movie. And he had really good comedic timing when he was on the shows. He wasn't just like a freak of nature that they brought on there. He's like, "Yeah, so I was thinking about all my like." He knows what he's going to say is funny. You know, and that's kind of a good thing to have that sort of self awareness. Also, this is one of the most quotable movies of all time. I think uh, Red Letter Media called it the single most quotable movie for them in particular because it's like, lines like, no, come on, I have 32 more scenes I gotta shoot today. So, (laughs) (laughs) or or stuff like, oh, kick fucking ass. Life is kind of cool sometimes. (laughs) As he's going through, uh, this is overdue. This is late. This is already late. Oh, kick fucking ass, a MasterCard. Yeah. The the fact that they all. All sound like fucking William Murderface from Metalocalypse really does a lot for me. <laughs> I man, can't be Coven because Coven sounds like oven man. <laughs> the fact that he tells me that's how you say it. No, it has to be Coven because <laughs> Coven sounds like oven. Yeah. And that dude who just looks like the most middle-aged theater actor that's ever oh, existed. Yeah. Just got oh, looking at the yeah. camera like this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to watch this movie and be like. Fuck, this actually does look worse than the room. <laughs> it looks horrendous. Yeah. What do you I love the little montage of him getting that whole guy to deliver his lines like uh take two, a little bit better. Take sixteen. Take thirty one. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm leaving. He just drives off. He's like I guess we'll fix it in post. But also like this dude's gotta be just like some anal like perfectionist. Like take thirty two. Yeah, just like, fucking say the line and go. Well, who are you yeah. kidding? You're not making Apocalypse now, dude. You're making a movie that <laughs> it's called Coven, but it's about a coven. Like it's fine. Yeah, just fucking move on. I mean, maybe the thing is like if you're not getting that take by that point, it's not just the actor. Maybe it's the director not giving good direction. Also, and if you just want to do any it other yourself, old people in your town, Jesus, yeah, that, that too. Well, they don't want to act with it. They're they're all working the, the they're working the factory. Yeah, for forty hours a week, man. <laughs> really giving it to those fucking suckers as he goes back to his job at vacuuming at the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a bunch of saps! I wonder if he made any other movies. <laughs> Let's get him on the show. I, 
I feel like we could make that happen. Yeah, we we are gonna we're gonna finance this next movie. We're gonna get producer credit. Fuck yeah, dude! It'll oh, never come fuck out. Yeah, dude. That's fine. <laughs> my own IMDb page for financing. Yeah, COVID it'll be the too. next the day the clown cried. Which, by the way, apparently getting a screening in twenty twenty four. We just have to Let's last that long. And go. Can we talk about the fact that this movie ends like with the thing every single mockumentary about making movies ends with the big premiere? Mm-hmm. But it's actually real, and it's happening in this shitty little town, and like everyone gets to see his little movie on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful moment, and then it ends. And the actual real ending in the movie is him sitting outside of his uncle's house. His ancient dying uncle, who, by the way, we get a text of like, uh, he died like a month later. Yeah. But he's out there just rambling on about the American dream, and his uncle just checks his watch and just starts looking around. <laughs> clearly fed up with this dude's fucking speeches about cinematography and the great American movie and all that shit. I mean, you know, you brought up a good point about, like, Evil Dead, and I think when I was reading, I think I was reading uh, If Chins Could Kill, the the first autobiography by uh, Bruce Campbell, and also probably one of the other 30 making of the movie uh, featurettes for The Evil Dead, uh, and all the stuff that they went through, and when they first premiered it in their hometown in Michigan, be like, hey guys, you know, we finally did it, we're finally done with this movie, Ch- you know, take a look, check it out, we're very proud of this. Can you imagine being in the audience, being like, yeah, I threw him five bucks, let's see how this goes, and then you see Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Why is there so much Play-Doh? <laughs> Oh, it's, it's oh tree, the tree scene was a bit much. Uh, <laughs> who was more surprised, the dentist who gave him 20 bucks or the actress? <laughs> he did what? It's oh. for the movie, don't worry about it. And the thing is, like, the other thing is it does go to show, like, movie making is very expensive, even if it's a low-grade movie. I mean, I think uh, I think uh, Bruce Campbell said that after Evil Dead 1, he was like, yeah, we were still paying that movie back after uh, Evil Dead 2, you know? Like, I fucking believe yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, there's so much that goes into all that advertising and everything, you know, you gotta do this, and then interest comes in with people loaning you all this money and stuff. I mean, movie making is uh, super expensive. And the thing is, like, oh, you know, if movie making is so expensive, then working on movies must be a very profitable venture. No, because there's so many people who do so many jobs on a movie, they all have to get paid, so the money all goes to them. It's long hours sometimes, especially for the Evil Dead series. It's very, very difficult. And uh, a lot of time, the money you're making is not good at all. Um, and so that's why uh, Hollywood needs unions for a lot of these things. You know, a lot of people, especially production assistants, are working very long, uh, often underpaid hours with no health benefits and everything, often in unsafe working conditions. And uh, American movie, I mean, that's it's a Z, barely Z tier movie. And the guy is doing all this work here, and he still doesn't have the money for it. And it just goes to show, like, this is a costly, costly venture. And for what, a 20-minute thing that if it wasn't for this documentary, no one on the Cold. planet would ever see? <laughs> but also, let's, let's go get a fucking... We all have iPhones. Let's go make a fucking movie, you guys. You know what? Let's go do it right now. Let's go get a fucking Bigfoot costume and get out there. See, so it does kind of make me wonder, could this guy have made a movie with an iPhone? Like, could he have done all this with an iPhone just, like, edit it on that? You know? Like, obviously, he didn't have Sony Vegas or anything, but, like, I kind of feel like he could have done something, you know? Yeah, like, this kind of stuff is why I love found footage movies. Because, like, the great part of found footage is, like, anyone can make a found footage movie. But also the bad part is anyone can make a found footage movie. But it really is the most, like, 
someone like these two dudes could just go out in the woods with a fucking camera and a MacBook and make a whole ass movie now. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful, but also they're all on Prime and they are unwatchable. Yes, correct. One last thing. Yes. Can we talk about like an hour or so into the movie where would they just reveal like, oh, this is my friend, this guy with the ponytail, and he just starts talking about, you know, their childhood getting caught drinking, and then it cuts in the car is like, yeah, uh, I have to go bail him out of jail. There was a sting operation. Uh, the SWAT team showed up and cut his power, and when he came down, they arrested him. What was going on in that fucking house? It's just him and his mom, and the SWAT team got involved. Like, what is going on? Oh my! And they just go God. bail him out of jail so they can finish editing Coven. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Dude, th- yeah, dude, is it great? This is this like one of those things where you kind of want to own it on Blu-ray. It's like one of those special treasure kind of movies. It's kind of like One Cut of the Dead where like a lot of people don't know about it, but the people who do know about it will talk your ear off about it because it's that good. It's so good. I mean, if you just Google American movie, the top three pictures, it's like the poster and then just a close-up of the two of them. And you immediately know if you're in their vibe or not. Right, <laughs> you yeah. stare at them and you know all about them you know everything you need to know about these two dudes yeah and the thing is like i, I kind of want more people to watch american movie just because it's it's just so fascinating to watch and also i don't know i, I get into the characters I, when i say characters it'd be the actual human beings you know but they the thing is characters. like yeah they are characters these are people who are characters these are not boring individuals these are people who are like i don't know if i'd want to live in their town with them but I I want to make a movie with them. <laughs> I want to, you know, it'd be miserable, but like that'd be a hell of an experience. I would give up several weekends to star in Coven too, and I'm gonna put that out there if anyone's listening. Oh, you look like you the drive it. these guy has. <laughs> I, oh, it's so beautiful, dude. I I would be the dude if I own like an editing studio or something like that. I would I would not charge him. I'd be like, how do we save you money on this somehow? <laughs> How do we piece together this masterpiece you're working on so you can make this other movie that to this day I think still doesn't exist? Yes, correct. Yeah, and Which is such it's a like great, the Duke, Duke like, Forever of movies. <laughs> God, and it's like the ending credit thing is like his uncle dies but leaves him like 50 grand to finish the movie he wants to make. And here we are 20 years later and there's no sign of that ever happening. I bet he has a hundred different drafts of that and he just constantly oh, yeah. restarts it. Like, it's not good enough. It's not ready. I mean, the... Ugh. That, that whole scene of the guy, yeah, can you do it, like, a little bit better? Just one more, all right? It's like, what was it? It was like when he's in the, the kitchen or whatever, it's underneath the kitchen sink or some shit like that. And it's just... <laughs> he keeps slamming his yeah. head on the table. I mean, he... Yeah. <laughs> to the door, I'm sorry. That, that, too, yeah. But the thing about it is just like, oh, wait, yeah, that was the one where it wasn't even a fake door, was it? <laughs> they could get, like, a breakaway door. The version includes the complete short film Coven... Well, Amazon, oh. take my fucking money. Let's Holy go. shit! Yes, I'm glad I got you. What the fact that all this is all this perfectionism and him like almost having a stroke because his mom keeps wasting film by talking during it, <laughs> just for a fucking short horror film. It's beautiful. It speaks to me. It doesn't it, man? Oh, Coven. Let's go make Coven. a Bigfoot movie. Yes, there's a lot of woods out where you live. Let's go. That's where they shop litter, which is spooky enough. Yeah. Uh, you watch anything else? I, th- I think that's all I've got that's worth talking about. Okay. Uh, in that case, let's die another day. 
So what the a, movie, real, what a catchy title, huh? Yeah, uh, you know, it's always good when you hear like, "What's this movie called?" Die another day. The fuck does that mean? Oh, it's James Bond. Always oh, okay. Then you don't care anymore because it's just James Bond. And I got to tell you, starting off your movie with James Bond surfing outside of North Korea, that's a strong <laughs> opening. That's a, like a really good opening. I like. I'm watching that. I'm like, wait, that's really kick ass. And the uh, movie starts. It says North Korea, and I just wrote down. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? What's the take? So apparently, the people who were actually pissed about this movie was the South Koreans because there's a, a scene towards the end where South Korean soldiers are taking orders from an American, and they uh, they apparently protest the movie. They're just like, "Hey, we wouldn't do that." I'm just like, "Fair point." Also, the movie's not very good. So, I very strong opening. I actually really like this opening. The whole like bit that they do in North Korea is like really cool, and the, like they have like the. Hovertron or whatever, and a whole bunch of fuck you guns and everything. A long chase sequence. A guy goes over uh, a waterfall, and then Bond says he's he's saved by one of the. They have a lot of these bells, by the way, all all across both North and South Korea, of like that big old log that hits a bell, and he's saved by that. He says, huh, "Saved by the bell," and I'm like, "Oh, that was really bad." But that's I, I still I mean whatever you know he he gives a bunch of those like groaner lines it's it's James Bond he's supposed to do that it's like the action is more important than anything else I'm like well, it's just a really good scene and then he's in a North Korean torture camp uh, while they play the opening song which is by Madonna and I'm like oh, oh Madonna does a song this will be really good God. and it's not uh, it's actually one of the worst Bond songs I I don't one of the longest songs ever also recorded too. yeah. Was it? I, I don't remember what Alex said was the worst song in Bond history. It was one of the somewhat. Unfortunately, ones. I've seen. Uh, now, I've now seen all the Brosnan ones and uh, four of the five Craig ones and Doctor No. So I am not your go-to. I, I think. This, I think he said it was one of the Craig ones. I think he. And he I remember he really disliked it. Oh, that fucking the one in front of Spectre was absolute hot poopy. Yeah. Well. Oh. Well. Yeah. The one in front of No Time to Die wasn't very good either. I didn't like that one. I thought it was really bad. I, I, I think I called it at the time the worst. He's like, no, it wasn't as bad as this other one. I think he... Was it the Jack White one or something like that they didn't like? I don't remember. Uh, but, yeah, it's obviously this one by Madonna. This doesn't feel like a Bond song. <laughs> it doesn't... <laughs> this doesn't work. Although it was kind of funny reading that uh, Elton John called it the worst Bond song. It's like, you just don't like Madonna, dude. Come on. <laughs> Someone else trying to yeah. do your bit. <laughs> The CGI water droplets and flames taking the shape of a woman dancing, while in the background is just footage of Pierce Brosnan being tortured in prison for 14 straight months, <laughs> was certainly a choice. I yeah. don't quite understand it. I'll so be here's you. an interesting thing: is like I kind of like opening sequences in Bond movies because they're really artistic and they're creative and stuff like that. And I also like looking at pretty silhouettes of ladies. Uh, so I thought, wow, the CG is pretty good in this, and I wrote that down on my phone, Parker. Oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, how do those words taste? Not spectacular. We'll get to that in a bit. So, uh, 2002 was uh, not the time for the entire third act of your movie to lean on CGI, as it yeah, turns out. Yeah. Well, We're ready yet. <laughs> he, uh, so he's uh, being tortured there, and uh, there's a North Korea that store, store stuff, whatever. Skip it. Alex in here, you can't make me. Uh, Anyway, he's released from North Korea on a prisoner exchange for some guy who, uh, I call him codenamed Diamond Head, which is an MST episode, and uh, he's the son of a North Korean general, I believe it's a colonel, and I think the reason he's got diamonds all over his face is because he was looking at that suitcase full of diamonds, and 
uh, Bond blew it up in his face, so he just has diamonds firmly embedded in his face now. Alex, I, uh, I know you'll be remiss if I don't mention, of course, he's played by one Johnny Tran from the first Fast and Furious movie. Oh, you right. can You can loosen up your grip on the steering wheel, yeah. buddy. I got you. Don't Thank worry about you. it. Thank you. I forgot to say that. Uh, yeah. It poses a serious question. Why don't you just get the stones removed from his face? Yeah, well, that's the they thing. They don't look like they're like, in there that deep, right? Like, yeah. Crazy. Skipping a little bit ahead here, at one point he's doing, uh, I believe the technical term is the old switcheroo with... Uh, I'm going to call him the Elon Musk of Diamonds. I and <laughs> had no idea what the twist of this movie was going to be. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, Holy it's Holy shit. It's, it's like somehow technology more advanced than face slash off. Because what they're doing is, I think they call it like gene therapy sort of thing, where it's like they change your DNA to make you this other person. It's like, what are the diamonds part of his DNA now? He just always has those in his face. What's going on here? So I would have those removed. And also I would grow eyebrows. So the fucking diamond version of the Brundlefly? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't. I don't understand what's going on with that. So, anyway, so Bond gets tortured for fourteen months in a Korean prison. Uh, For the record, I'm hanging myself after forty-five minutes of myself. Also, yes, I'm done. Yes, absolutely. Also, you'd probably what's that? They disavowed me sick. Hey, guy, can you give me an extra shirt real quick? (laughs) (laughs) Need to jimmy something up real quick. (laughs) I mean, my thing about it is that like fourteen months, no one lasts that long in North Korean prisons because they starve because they don't have any food over there. They're not going to feed their fucking prisoners. You know? Anyway, uh, he escapes and he goes onto a boat, and Judy Dench is like, Wait, Bond, I would have let you die. And he says, Thanks. Appreciate it. I think, no, he actually says, Well, I actually wanted to die. I'm doing a completely different Bond for this, Alex. (laughs) Suck it. Show up on time next time. (laughs) And (laughs) I do do love, I read some of the behind the scenes stuff. Apparently, Bronson really wanted to play like a gritty, like almost like a Casino Royale style Bond, and they're like, well, here's this script instead, yeah. Dick. <laughs> he, uh, not a fan of this movie, or most of his Bond movies, honestly. Yeah, apparently. No, he likes Mama. Can't imagine yeah. why. So, uh, no, he does detonator. Death train. So, uh, <laughs> he's on the boat, and he fakes his own heart attack to, uh, to jump off the boat and swim to China, to a casino there, or a resort hotel or something, and then a masseuse comes by, and they were going to film him having sex with masseuse and use it against him, but instead he gets a new suit and tie and everything and shaves. That, that'll show him. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, oh, what, James Bond has sex with people? Oh. Wait till the tabloids get a Bond load of this. Is, I know he's supposed to be like a ladies' man. I'm well aware of the character of James Bond. But it feels like a lot of this movie is just him staring at a woman. <laughs> like, not flirting, <laughs> just kind of looking at her like, so, uh, now we're... no suave moves just like standing in the doorway and staring them down like Dennis Reynolds it's it's very uncomfortable it really does this masseuse is like oh I'm here he just immediately like gets behind her like he's teaching her how to fucking putt it's like what is happening he's like you know he reminds me of he reminds me of like the what are those uh not the wolf from the uh, droopy shorts from Looney Tunes, but like one of those like coyotes and stuff who has like the long snout, and he's just staring and like his eyes are watering and like his tongue comes like all the way out from his snout all the way around. <laughs> his eye, his pupils turn into two roasted chickens. <laughs> 
and he started hooting and hollering. Yeah, and immediately so, just reaches under her dress. It's like, yeah. okay, you win. He pulled out. He, yeah. She had a gun. But also, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like she this, says, this like, ain't the yeah. first time he's done this. Trip. Yeah. It's like, I'm, uh, she's like, I'm uh, not really that kind of a suicide. He says, yeah, well, <laughs> just gets right up in there. <laughs> Tell that to Peyton Manning, dick. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, yes. Cover her ass. Can't wait so. for him to ruin some more broadcasts. My voice cracks. <laughs> anyway, Leave so it he in. yeah, so he goes to Cuba and uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. So he goes to, okay. <laughs> now I'm reminded of that movie I watched Soy Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to Cuba and That's what uh, it's called when I visit. A big fan of his, like, oh, we need to show he's really disheveled after being in prison. He just looks like the Geico caveman. And then he just goes into a hotel and shaves himself, and he looks hot as fuck immediately. Yeah, it's, like, unfairly hot. Speaking of unfair, Halle Berry is in this movie, and oh, she does God. the whole uh, Bond woman coming out of the water thing that I think Ursula Andress first did. And it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, wow, Halle Berry is so much hotter than Ursula Andress. And, uh... As we saw in Moonfall, she's aged spectacularly. <laughs> like it's a remote of like, gosh, she's so fucking hot. Why isn't she in movies? Oh no, she's talking. Yeah. See. Okay. Oh, so oh, no. to be fair, this is a behind the. This is a true story. She uh, she left filming uh, while this is going on briefly to go pick up her Academy Award for Best Actress for I think it was Monster or something like that. Monsters and, Ball. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Monsters Ball. Uh, and just like, yeah, you know, she earned it. She's a great actress. Sometimes. Uh, oh, no, I don't blame her for this. Yeah, this I can't is... blame her for this because it's the lines that are given to her are just awful. Uh, I've never heard this many bad quips in a row. And we yeah, record this every and they're week. like, like real. It is. Hey, uh, it's really, really <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, she in particular has some of the worst lines. I mean, they're real groaners, you know? Like other ones, like you watch a Bond movie and they feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger lines. You're like elbowing each other. It's like, oh, that was a good one, you know? But like for this one, oh, they're really, really bad. But anyway, like you see her in that bikini where the titties and, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, maybe this movie's just good you know like it's up to this point like yeah the, the line about the saved by the bell that was pretty stupid and like some of the choices were like kind of questionable but up to this point i'm like kind of just feels like a good movie i like the idea of the exploration i'm learning a bit more about the mystery of what's going on here and like i like seeing Halle Berry. she's extraordinarily easy on the eyes uh i'm wondering what's going to happen next and uh yeah, for a good half of this movie i'm like i don't this movie has a reputation. Yes. Where I did not watch Bond movies at all for most of my life until Casino Royale came out. Like, But I know. Everyone knows. If you mention Bond, it's like, oh, you fucking see Dying of the Day. Oh, yeah. And I don't understand for most of this movie like where the reputation comes from. Like, It doesn't feel like one of the better ones. It doesn't feel like Goldeneye, but like, it feels fine. As I'm watching this, I'm like, this is probably better than half of the fucking 60s and 70s ones. Well, 70s and 80s. Not knowing. <laughs> what was not to come. knowing. <laughs> See, that was the thing. What is ahead of me. Yeah, oh, exactly. God. So, after this, uh, I don't remember what they were exploring. Uh, he tells, uh, I, I think he tells Em, and he's like, I'm just going to do my job. Damn it. <laughs> and, uh, and she says, right then, go on your way. And, uh, and he says, oh yeah, one thing, tell him Mr. Moneypenny, I said, hello! And uh, <laughs> then they go to like the gene therapy thing, the face switcheroo thing, and the, the, the first side of that guy who got shot by Halle Berry, first side I should have tipped him off, I was like, really, Halle Berry's coming in to look different? Come on, 
Why would she want to look any different from how she currently looks? Are you out of your mind? Uh, anyway, he gets two to the chest. And then he goes in during the uh, the face-off-itis, and he sees codenamed Diamondhead there, uh, who probably kicks his ass and runs away. He shoots a bazooka through a wall. It was pretty good. And then he decides to travel to uh, jolly old England to meet the Elon Musk of Diamonds. And then they have a sword fight. And I want to... First... Yeah. First big problem with the movie, not the sword fight. I think the yeah. sword fight. Oh yeah, sword fight's incredibly great. I'm good. Talk about that. Yeah. But like, we get introduced to this bad guy who we find out, of course, is a villain. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I just you know just moved here all of a sudden, and uh, I'm a billionaire and I'm being knighted. And you're like, wait, who is this? Yeah, exactly. This guy the that no one's met really before is getting knighted, yeah. and he's a billion. Who is this guy? No one fucking Googled him. You're like, that doesn't. I'm willing to go with the invisible car, but this seems like a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, and uh, just a sign of things to come. Yeah, that is that is a bit of a problem. Also, the guy that they got—I'm not saying the guy's a bad actor. I'm sure he's very good, but he seems like he belongs in Downton Abbey, not James Bond. Is like that guy's the main villain? He looks like Rupert Everett. It doesn't feel like he belongs in this movie. And uh, anyway, we we go up here. We're introduced to uh, another intelligence agent that James Bond will eventually pork. And uh, also Madonna, who he does not pork. So uh, apparently she was going to be the face <laughs> when Madonna appears. Yeah, she's and she's just she is very barely in the movie. Uh, apparently she did some behind the scenes. Thing. It's like, oh yeah, there's going to be a bit more of a lesbian romance between me and that uh, the sword fighter girl. But they decided to cut that out because it'd be too hot for audiences. But you can still see I'm some sure lingering glances between me and her to, to you know emphasize that there was something there. And I'd be like, I, I was watching it, and they don't actually exchange any glances. You know, they, she was just trying I'm to sure build up the was... whole like, what if I had sex with a girl? Contractually, like, all right, you can have one scene. She's walking up to the set. I'm thinking we could have the steamy room. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Just not even looking at her. Like, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just don't know if audiences are ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give her a real spicy, saucy look. That's great. You keep. Hey, keep that energy, Madonna. Keep that energy. I, I really feel like Shoot. Madonna saw that Halle Berry was in this movie and she's like, <laughs> so, uh, let me show you how it's done, girls. Like, oh, thank you. Hey, Why are your boys, biceps where are you going to stick your sword? Uh, um, I don't like cockfights. Like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, this is the 74th movies in a row. Right, I yeah. Can't. So, I have to admit, that sword fight is really, really good. Like, that is, it's well choreographed, it feels like it has stakes, it feels like they're actually fighting, instead of, like, two superhumans doing it. It's one of the ones where I think they used it in one of the uh, Red Lighter Media things about the Star Wars prequels, as opposed to, like, all the, the lightsaber fights, which are kind of overblown in all these things. Like, especially where, like, you're swinging them around and all this other stuff, and you don't really feel like there's any tension because it's so highly choreographed. This is, like, so well done, and it feels very human. They're just swinging the swords madly, trying to get at each other, rather than being like a, a pan, you know that sort of shit like it feels like a real sword fight they're destroying stuff and everything it's one of the it's honestly it's one of my favorite scenes in any james bond movie that i've ever seen dead serious i love it it's very good easily the yeah. highlight of the movie oh no and at yeah, this no point question. again i'm like bro like there's been some shitty lines but again like that's just what i assume these movies are, are shitty puns like why does everyone hate this yeah still not knowing even uh, madonna yeah. was like I mean, that's an unwelcome surprise, but, like, I doubt she's ever going to show up again, which she doesn't. Yeah. But still, just completely unaware. And then it's in the next scene, he gets the invisible car, which is yeah. like, uh, huh. hang on, because, like... I wonder what they're going to do with look, that. 
It wouldn't be. I like shitty, to watch James Bond. <laughs> I like to watch him be a cool super spy and get in the dangerous missions. Like, I could drive an invisible car. If they couldn't see me coming, I could fucking sneak onto a base. If I could yeah. drive an invisible car. God damn, that's yeah. not that impressive. I like that uh, he goes to visit Q. By the way, every single time that he visits Q, he turns into Dee Dee from Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I wonder if this still works. And he presses a button on a jetpack, and Jonathan's like, eh. I say 007. Cancel culture is a dog's bollocks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene, I'm looking around like, I bet once I finally get through all these movies, this scene's going to be a lot cooler. Yeah. But also, I'm never going to watch this movie again. Also, correct. I mean, the thing about it for me is that, like, he also had, like, one of the gadgets is the uh, Go-Go Gadget Destroy Glass with, like, a little ring that he has. And I'm like, he just did that in China with uh, an ashtray. So, what are exactly. we doing? <laughs> anyway, he does use that later on, and it's one of the lamest scenes of the movie. So, uh... That is a bit of a sign of things to come. It's like when you see the invisible car, you're like, huh, that's kind of, actually kind of sucks, you know? That's a, that's a little too stupid for me, but yeah, I could, maybe it won't play a big part in the movie. Yeah, because you could just press, like, what was the cheek up for? Up, up, right, and twist a metal two, and your car turns invisible. <laughs> it's like, who cares, you know? Without knowing how much dumber that scene would get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, he goes to... Was it literally Iceland where they go to? or <laughs> His ice palace? Yeah, his ice palace in Iceland, which I didn't think is actually covered in ice. And he's greeted by a guy named Mr. Kill, who, by the way, if my name was Mr. <laughs> Kill, I would also greet everyone by saying, hello, my name is Mr. Kill. Even though I, knew, I would know that James Bond would say something fucking stupid like, well, that's a name to die for. <laughs> Don't laugh. Very funny, <laughs> sir. My friend with the diamonds in his face will meet you. <laughs> All right, and now the ice palace. So the movie Which is looks over like two the hours. iced over version of the Power Rangers base from the it really outside. does. Yeah, honestly, I was reminded of Batman and Robin, and not in a good way, like I usually am. Uh, it, no, it feels like it feels like the Flintstones movie. It feels like the Flintstones movie, but covered in ice. <laughs> they pull up to it and you pause and see how much time is left and you just hear the caption in your head they don't know how much worse it really gets because <laughs> you don't understand like oh no this is the rest of the movie right here yeah. this is where we're going to be until the bitter end this is where they reveal that the Elon Musk of Diamonds and codenamed Diamond Head pulled the old switcheroo so now the Elon I... Musk of Diamonds is actually the North Korean colonel. And the North Korean colonel is actually Elon... By the way, if I was the Elon Musk of Diamonds, if I was rich, I would just continue being rich and like have sex with pretty women and stuff. And just, I don't know, eat whatever I wanted and not switch my body my with a North Korean guy. Fucking face. When the reveal's like, oh, this is a smarmy British billionaire. He's actually the Korean general's son, but with his fucking face redone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Never in a hundred million years would I have made that assumption. It's it's just so imbecilic. It's I, I don't like that twist at all. It's uh I but then again I wasn't really sure what I was looking for. Also the reveal that like, oh, the person who sold you out was one of the major characters we set up. It was like they just didn't have the guts to is make it the, the Is it the other woman? I'm assuming that the woman's yeah. double-crossing. The other because, woman who said she didn't want to sleep with him, and also that he put the gun underneath his pillow, and also she was not consistent about it. Like, it was kind of a funny where he just... <laughs> he's <laughs> They're running away from, like, the bad guys who were chasing. He's like, oh, quick, let's, like, make out, and we can pretend there's all this other stuff. And he is just 
inside of her, you know? And she's just like, have they gone in? Oh, they left ages ago. <laughs> and, and she just kind of, like, rolls her eyes like, uh, men. You know, like, uh, it's assault, brother. And then he's just like, oh, we should keep up the charade and uh, sleep together tonight. And I'm just like, really funny. And she's just like, oh, James. I'm like, what? Wait, that worked? What? What? If I could... What? What the fuck? I could have used that during college be like, yeah, we should pretend to sleep to each other, you know, like as a bit. That would have worked. No, Chris, we couldn't have used it. Oh, okay. We don't look like <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. And in the interest of fairness, when it came to finding out who double-crossed him, the second Michael Madsen appeared, I was like, this motherfucker Okay, to, to, look okay. at his fucking actually, face. That's fair. Look at that shoe polish hair. I don't trust yeah, him. Yeah, that's actually very fair. I probably should have guessed it. Like, <laughs> yeah, Michael Madsen. Like, my first thing was just like, gee, I wonder who the bad guy is. It turns out he's a good guy. And I was just like, what the fuck? That's the twist. <laughs> It wasn't Where's the post credit scene. Tear off your fucking face, dude. Yeah, what's are going you, on? He 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 crossed over with this money penny. Uh, anyway, uh, this movie has its own personal Igor, which is kind of nice. I wish more movies had their own Igor, like in Van uh, Helsing. I almost said Van Halen. Just to like, you did, yeah, <laughs> brother. Yeah, thank you. Just stumbled, be like, oh yeah, that was your best time yet. Like, who is this guy? Why is he in this movie? This movie's this guy only two hours, the, guys. He should be in the Fast and Furious movies. He should be the one, like, <laughs> Toretto's having a cook. Yo, there's really nothing like having a couple family members over with some fast cars and even faster women. And me, master. <laughs> I finished That's... the repairs on your transmission. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Igor, you motherfucker. <laughs> Make that car go fast as shit, you dumb bitch. <laughs> don't let him sit at the table. Don't let, don't let him think he's people. <laughs> Just Michelle, he thinks he's people. Dog bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you think you can get this thing to 2.5 seconds? I don't know, Master. It'll take me two weeks at least. You got ten days. It throws him a dog biscuit. Han, <laughs> if you look at him in the eyes, he's just going to keep begging for food. It's better to just ignore him. <laughs> they're just, they're getting another transmission from fucking Kurt. And they're just like, oh, how are we going to... You just hear him, like, scratching at the door. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to take Letty in the bedroom. He just sees his fucking nose under the door. What's going on in there? Let me in. <laughs> he just Yo, we're gonna need the sickest rides we've ever had. Master! The plans! It's just It's just like the blueprints for a pet smart. It's like milk bones located here. Oh, those are personal copies. <laughs> <laughs> he puts a corona on his nose and tells him not to move. <laughs> We're talking more about Igor and Fast and the Fierce than we are about this movie. <laughs> That's for the best. Yeah, yeah this movie honestly, sucks shit. Yeah, it, it's always one of those moments when Alex isn't here that we get sidetracked. We just create our own character, <laughs> Igor and Fast and the Furious. For once, I have tomorrow off, so I have nothing keeping me. Yeah, <laughs> good. I like. He's not idea. just glaring at a screen like if you don't get to the fucking movie. <laughs> 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 I like the idea that they're riding one of like the fucking Dodge Challengers or something like that. And Igor just has his head outside the window with his tongue wagging in the air. <laughs> but Master, you said he wanted to go to Race Wars. <laughs> oh no. Uh oh. <laughs> Classic Igor goof. Oh my god, do you think they eat him in Tokyo Drift? 
<laughs> Should I cut that? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my god, that was... <laughs> You said race wars. <laughs> I just <laughs> immediately. Oh man, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they call they say bow wow when him and Lil oh, Bow Wow both look up at the same time. <laughs> All right, I should have won it. <laughs> you drive your whole car. <laughs> Why do they call him Good Boy? Fucking <laughs> 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 The Rock do- doing a hockey dance, and, and you just hear fucking Igor in the background barking really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he getting so aggressive in this neighborhood? He's normally not like this. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He's not racist. He just hates street racers. <laughs> he needs a custom like car with a custom... <laughs> He needs a custom car with a custom seatbelt to fit over his hump. Hey. <laughs> Tyrese rubbing his hunch for good luck. I'm also hungry. <laughs> Just throwing chicken skin at him. Just peeling the skin off and throwing it at him. Talk about someone else who was saved by the bell. So back to tie another day. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. So this is where uh, he basically the idea of the movie is that he has this thing called Icarus, which is like a big sky laser that's going to blow up the world, and he could use it to like take over the world. And if you uh, close your eyes, you can just hear me in the back of your Oh yeah, real subtle, guys. Yeah, real subtle. I get it. It doesn't even make sense about Icarus. Like, Icarus made more sense in Jackass Forever than it does in this movie. Either way. (laughs) Uh, I guess maybe it was more like the power of the sun and starts a war. Maybe it was like, yeah. I think it's basically the idea is like his dad was, you know, like that. He's following his dad's footsteps to be in a war or something like that. I just want to make clear Icarus' father's name in the Greek tragedy was Daedalus. And by the end of the movie, his father is, in fact, dead. So, if my son was working on a project called fucking Icarus, I would look at him like, "Hey, man, is, is everything cool? Why are you devoting all your time and energy?" Yeah, that's actually this? a good like, point. Yeah, do you want to call I, it anything else? Yeah. Well, to be fair, oh, project defenestration's off to a great start. You're like, hey, what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, son, what you working on there? Oh, it's just Project Oedipus. Uh, huh. Oh, oh the you, patricide satellites going up. Seen like, your, oh, seen your mother lately? What? What's going on with the? <laughs> You're gonna put me in a what? <laughs> in a large, in a large father collider. What the? <laughs> so uh, James Bond is uh, strapped to his doom and gets into. Uh, this is where he starts surfing away from the icebergs, and this is really where the movie completely sinks. So you're just like, oh no, because the CGI is so bad. And it's so cheesy. It's like, yeah, we know he could surf because he was surfing at the beginning of the movie. Sure, fine, whatever. But like, and that was like cool. It was like, I was like, yo, surfing outside of North Korea. All right, that's what kind of uh, Bond movie this is. But then he's like, it, the movie takes itself too seriously in the middle of it. And then he's like surfing away from the icebergs and everything, and that looks fucking stupid. Oh yeah, and the, before that, where he has to save Halle Berry, right? He saves Halle Berry from the lasers. Those lasers are way too fake for two thousand two. That's sucks yeah. that laser scene sucks it up until the guy so gets laser ahead and you're like honestly actually the lasers aren't even the worst part of that scene the worst part of that scene and i hate to say it is Halle Berry. like yeah this is the part we should mention that they had big plans to make a spinoff with her i and all she does in the third act is get kidnapped and then get kidnapped again 
and then pilot a plane. And it's they're like, weird. this is going to be our new action star. Every couple years, we're going to put a new one of these. And the fact that they cancel it because they're like, well, I mean, uh, Charlie's Angels 2 and Tomb Raider 2 didn't make a lot of money. People just aren't ready for a black female. It's like, I oh, should make a good movie, I guess. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the thing. It. Yeah, that's the thing about Halle Berry. Is we're not blaming Halle Berry. Like, even in, like, Moonfall. It's like, she's pretty good at Moonfall, you know? It's like, she's not the problem there. But, like, after seeing her in Catwoman and this, it's like... It's it's not her. I mean, I, I'm trying to defend Halle Berry. I think she's a beautiful, talented woman with enormous breasts and wonderful hair and the eyes you could stare into. And the way she moves her hips when she comes out of the water. And... I mean, I mean you're not wrong. Like, yeah, and, and the, sucks, yeah, but, but like, also, yeah, the, the lines. Without that performance, why? Would, there's no reason to watch. Yeah, it she's it's, not it's just like the lines. You know, the lines that they write for, like when she goes into the uh, the fucking the bar and she orders a white Russian, hold the Kahlua, hold the rum, and like, oh, so she just wants milk. You know, it's like there's no way for you to say that line and sound cool. And the same thing with the lines in this one. She's she. They're in the laser room, right? And they're trying to like fucking like not get her torn apart by lasers. And she says. James, save me, or else I'll be half the woman I used to be. And that's, a, that, I mean, that right there is a, whole, a real, like, we're going to cut that line in post, right? You're not going to you're not gonna use that, right? Because there's no I mean, way do, that you could use that. It's just a news. It's do fucking the terrible. fucking an annoying thing and jump to the very, very end, the entire ending scene that we go to credits on it's just like off camera. They're making a bunch of sex puns, and then we pan over, and it's like, oh yeah, because because he has a diamond in her belly button. Like, what yeah, is, exactly. Like, why would someone put that in your belly button? He would say, oh my god, leave it in. It's a perfect fit. Why oh my would you? God, yeah, why so would you big. want it in there? Though? Why would like, any of this? Who diamonds are wrote sharp? This? What if it cuts you? <laughs> I've never seen a naked woman. I wouldn't write this. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my god, it's so big. Take it out. Oh my god. Le- oh, I'm about to pull it out. Oh, leave it in. And he's just rubbing it tight. I mean, the, the whole thing, wasn't that just like, wasn't that actually parodied in one of the... Oh my god, I think that was parodied before this movie came out in Austin Powers 1, right? Yeah, not a good look yeah. to get beat and then be like, nah, but we're going to do it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good Got point. Him. Like, they f- went all full, like, they watched Austin Powers and were like, wow, that's a good bit. We should do that. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. Pierce Brosnan. We play that one Your straight? final scene on screen is James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> most embarrassing shit I've ever seen. Well, second most embarrassing. Apparently there was a Super Bowl commercial for Austin Powers, so <laughs> I couldn't hear the lines in the bar. So. I don't want to uh. talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so she gets kidnapped and there's lasers and then yeah, they break yeah, her out. Yeah, yeah. It's the dumbest shit you've ever seen. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go stop this guy. And then she gets kidnapped again. Yeah, she because she just does that because she's Halle Berry. Like, there's a scene where, like, she takes her shirt off and she's wearing a tank top underneath. And you're like, oh, she's been working out for this. That's, uh, that reminds me of another movie where she worked out for John Wick 3. She's good in John Wick 3. It's like, she can perform. What are we doing here? So, like, she's in there and she's like, how is this woman who's built like this getting kidnapped multiple times? So she gets kidnapped by the sword chick. And this leads up to, like, one of the dumbest fucking lines in any of the James Bond movies is, I can read your every move. And then she gets stabbed with, like, Sun Tzu's Art of War through a (laughs) knife. Art of War. Oh, I could vomit. Yeah. I could projectile vomit. But that's not the bad line. The bad line... Well, first of all, that's a terrible line. Why would you just say that? It's fucking stupid. And then, like, the line later is, uh, James Hunt Caesar is like, whoa. And she's just like, I think I broke her heart. And there was another one. Yeah, it was a fucking... Oh, yeah, by, by the way, when they were at the Ice Palace, it, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm a reporter for the science and space and the... 
thing in the thing. And she's like, oh, I guess he's explaining his big bang theory to you. And uh, <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, I think I got the... Th-. She actually does this, and this is a bad delivery here. Uh, she could have said this better. She, she said, yeah, I think I got the thrust of it. And I'm like, God, come on. In Man, any other drunk? Movie, yeah, that's the thing. Is like in every... The Bond actor would have been like, I think she got the thrust of it. And then, like, you move on, you're like, ah, I've had sex. And, like, that that works. But she's just like, oh, he put his penis inside my vagina. If you know what I mean. She's just like one of the guys, dude. She yeah. can totally hang with us. She can kick ass. She's funny. She's got great jokes. Like, Where she's like, stabs her, and she's like, read that, bitch. Hilarious. Love that. Love a woman who can really hold up. Yeah, her own. like here's like here's how bad her like jokes are. Like they're in the plane and it's going down. And she's like, "Looks like we're going down together." And I'm like, "Ugh." And then they get like I actually went Ugh, out loud, but they are able to survive because I think they take like a helicopter and they they land somewhere else. It's like a, a dramatic landing. And then he looks at her and he's like, "So you were saying something about going down together?" I'm like, "You had to repeat it." You, you had to say it again because she didn't do it well enough? I you're, you're saying that when she said it, it wasn't intended to be a joke? Oh my god. Literal groaners. Yeah, this seriously. Entire movie. Like, every other one, like, Arnold will say dumb shit like, you're fired. And then, like, fire a rocket at the guy's face while he does the, you know, the eyes thing. But, like, in that one, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's kick-ass. Whereas in this one, they're just making all these... But again, all the ones at the end, oh, take it out, it's a perfect fit. No, leave it in. I, I'm not done with it yet. Like, they're so fucking humiliating. Bro, this wishes of an Arnold movie. They wish they had anything <laughs> as funny as my friend's dead tired. <laughs> Forget about that that's one. That's a wretched. that's a good one. It's like he's talking about. Oh, well, the fun is about to come to a dead end. He, uh, or yeah, he's he, when he he finds codename Diamond Head. He's like, uh, I've missed your sparkling personality. Then he gets fucking punched. He's like, how's that for a punchline? This, this is like back of the cereal box. It's the fucking Austin Powers. There's no way to get ahead in life scene. <laughs> Wait, but that was, that, those ones actually made me laugh. Though. <laughs> we'll never be the head of a major yeah. corporation. Yeah. So like, should we watch Austin Powers? <laughs> yeah, dude. So like, when the Elon Musk is telling him, it's like he can't kill my dreams, but my dreams can kill you. Time to face destiny, and he pulls his parachute cord. Says time to face gravity. I was like, oh wait, that's actually a good one. You know, because that just sounds cool. Like time to face gravity, but doesn't even face gravity. Just gets sucked into a wind tunnel. Not the wind tunnel. You get sucked into the 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 engine, and he gets torn to shreds. It's like that guy's not gonna. His his innards are just gonna dissipate into the ether. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, I, I forgot what the line was when um when the the sword bitch says to her, "It's like, ha, I could read your every move." Jinx. Which is Halle Berry's character says, "Read this," and she kicks the knife into her with the Sun Tzu thing. And then she says, "Bitch," and I have a feeling that There's they were just such like such a fucking one Mississippi, yeah. two Mississippi. <laughs> I have a feeling. Bitch. I have a feeling that like what they were doing was like, how do we make her sound black? What do black women say? <laughs> no, not that. Not that. You can't write that. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, it's just. Not good. Dreadful. Man. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For everyone involved. Yeah. 
So here's a line that I don't remember. The movie ends on a money pity. Uh, she's getting piped down in VR. Yeah, yeah. There was a what the fuck was up with that? Like she she meets James and actually getting it. All right, just fucking. I which I didn't know you could do that. I thought this was like the room of requirement for uh, Harry Potter, where it's just like <laughs> you just have this all the time. Because like he, it's shown earlier that he has his VR training and he's like. Like, you see Miss Moneypenny dead, and he doesn't react to it, so, like, you kind of know it's fake. But that being said, he still shoots M, and you're just like, what the fuck? Come on, James. It's like, and, and <laughs> he's getting out of the system. Fucking Q comes out, and he's like, you yeah, know, it's supposed to shoot your boss, seven. So, yeah, she left me in a fucking Korean prison yeah. for a year and a half. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I forgot a couple of the tricks. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, Miss Moneypenny sees it, and she's like, oh, me. I've got a great idea. <laughs> I can use this to, uh... You know, loosen something. It's not Beavis. And he just gets all up in her business. She actually says, oh, James. And, I'm, and like, you're watching it, and you're just like, look, I wish you no offense to her. She's a very lovely She's a very lovely woman, but he has Halle Berry. He's not coming back from yeah, money. He's, yeah, he's, I, he's not coming back to MI6. He's just done. He's going to take the diamonds. Absolutely not. Yeah. At the end, we're like, yeah, we have to return these diamonds. Like, absolutely not. Y'all left me to die with yeah. those fucking scorpions for 14 months. Yeah. I am never leaving this island. Yeah. So anyway, I'm fucking... I'm going to we, we, bust we, my nut until I yeah, die. Yeah, we end on one last groaner, this time for Miss Moneypenny. Uh, fucking, uh... Q comes in and ruins her a good time. Be like, oh... Isn't it hard? And she's like, oh, very. <laughs> the energy it deserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like to imagine where you watch it, like the, the end credits are just go like. <laughs> <laughs> Final line, no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> no redemption. I'm <laughs> um, surprised Pierce Brosnan didn't like this very much. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I want a more grounded, gritty take. So here's the thing. Um, she's going to say, don't take it out. And you're going to say, <laughs> I'm almost done. You're going to be gonna between like her legs. And we're going to zoom in on her navel. And they're gonna have like itty bitty diamonds all over. Like, look, I I understand. Like, I'm not saying women are materialistic, but I can understand that women like diamonds. You know, they're elegant, they're classy. You know, and stuff like that. These are like itty little bitty diamonds. They look like grape nuts. Like, come on, you just like just sprinkle them all over her stomach. This is stupid. I, mean, I just want this to be a down to earth, uh, born style. Yeah. All right, cool. So your car's gonna be invisible, right? And then a Johnny train is gonna come oh, at you. So you're gonna hit yeah. the invisible button, and then you're gonna hit the traction button, and then you're gonna drive up on a cliff, and he's not gonna see, you, and he's gonna drive off, and then you're gonna undo the invisible button, and then you're gonna drive by, and you're gonna shoot a chandelier, and that's gonna kill yeah, him. Yeah. Cool. So I'm done after this, huh? Yeah. I'm. I'm just sick of like. When would you ever see Halle Berry as someone who really loves stealing diamonds? Come on. You wouldn't see her. That's right, preposterous. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> Pete off. And that's the tea, sis.